0: in a beautiful state. Chill, chill. <laughs> it's all good. It's family. Relax, relax, relax. Alright, sorry about that. So I'm out here watching Cora today, trying to get her all spotless so I can ride around the city with my baby. What's up, girl? Oh, gosh. Hello everyone. She's so shy. <laughs> um yeah, I'm gonna finish up and then tell you what, let's sit on the porch because I wanna talk today about the science of rumors been on my mind a lot lately and just like anything else in the world i just feel like there's you know i just always felt like there's science behind it 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 actually is i'm going to dive into it today so we can understand it a little bit more and then i'll share a little bit of my story about what rumors mean to me uh personally if you will and then um let's set out a game plan to figure out how to avoid the rumor mill as they say all right so just chill matter of fact just Head over to the porch. Your love so this dance began for me back in uh, back in 2009, and that was when. Inglorious Glorious Bastards came out. One of my favorite movies of all time. I, I used to, I know you probably like, this is it's crazy to hear, but I used to like fall asleep to that movie every night, just about. Um, went to go see it with uh, Rick and Titus when we were home from college or something like that. We just, we just randomly went to the movies in Bowie, Maryland. And there was a quote from the antagonist. The character's name was Hans Landa. Uh, He's played by Christoph Waltz, literally a legend. Like, (laughs) bro is amazing at his job. (laughs) But he had a very specific quote about rumors. I was 19, I believe, or 18 turning 19. And of course, you know, I'm old enough to know what a rumor is, obviously. But something about that particular quote, that moment or whatever, it just just stuck with me forever, you know, and it kind of opened up a, I hate to use cliches, but you got to excuse me. It kind of opened up this Pandora's box, if you will, of wanting to know more about the idea of rumors. I would say that that was the first time that I asked questions about what a rumor is and why is it what it is, basically. According to these papers, all the Jewish families in this area have been accounted for, except the trafusos. Somewhere in the last year, it would appear they've vanished, which leads me to the conclusion that they've either made good their escape or someone is very successfully hiding them. What have you heard about the Dreyfusis, Monsieur Lepetit? Only rumors. I love rumors. Facts could be so misleading. Where rumors, true or false, are often revealing. So, Monsieur Lepetit, what rumors have you heard regarding the Dreyfusis? So in this scene in the movie, unfortunately, Hans Landa is um, looking for Jewish families, if you will, during the Holocaust. Now, I'll just leave it right there because I don't want to get too deep into that. That's not why we're here. One of the guys who's giving shelter to the family that he's looking for um, is being questioned by Hans Landa, obviously. And this guy, I forgot the character's name, but he throws out... Saying that he may know something, but, you know, it's just a rumor, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's trying to downplay it. And then Hans Landa, who's a very wise guy as well, says, oh, you know, I enjoy rumors because, you know, a lot of times they tell the truth. And even when they don't tell the truth, they are revealing and that was like the beginning of, of it for me. You see, even when these rumors are found to be just rumors, a lot of times there's they still show something. They show some sort of ulterior motive. And it was really interesting because at that same time, right? I had just started interning at the radio station. So, you know, I'm just learning all of this like big radio <laughs> information and just downloading all of this stuff. And that's when I had learned about what we call in the business the theater of the mind. The phrase the theater of the mind is sort of an old moniker for radio and what it implies is that in radio you use your imagination more than in other forms of art because radio is a blind medium. We don't see what's happening, we hear it. And while this is true to some extent, I think that really uh, any art can be a theater of the mind. It really depends on the artist on the audio game. that was dr daniel foster from johns hopkins university in the war of the Worlds by h.g Wells. now what the theater of the mind really was uh anchored by in broadcasting was this i would say genius like i would have loved to be alive and like actually hear this happen in real life but like this 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 crazy broadcast called the war of the worlds where people Basically, thought that aliens were actually taking over, like were actually invading the the Earth, <laughs> because there was a fictional radio broadcast that played. It sounded very real. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror, and it I leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Ah! Now the whole field's caught up by the woods of ah! far the, the gas tank tanks the automobiles are spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we have a late... bull of realists. Even though they gave out warnings before they aired it, saying that this was going to happen and not to be alarmed, and they also, after it happened, they also said, hey, that wasn't real. But people really believed it. Like, people thought that the world was being invaded by aliens just because of this one broadcast. And in, in broadcasting, we use, or at least the good broadcasters, you know, I don't want to... Never mind. <laughs> At least the good broadcasters use theater of the mind to kinda bring you into another world. You know, it really stretches the limits of the audio side of communication, which is why I love it. I think it's genius when it's done correctly. And that's why when I read about the War of the Worlds, I think it's just beautiful, you know. But what made people think that the War of the Worlds was real is that somebody heard it and then they would spread a rumor saying that, you know, I heard that aliens invaded. Then that rumor would obviously get spread to somebody else. And it was like a game of telephone, you know? Around that same time that I watched Hans Landa deliver this quote in that genius movie in Glorious Bastards back in 2009, I was also learning how to use rumors in order to harness and garner attention through radio through audio through broadcasting if you will one day I just had a very vanilla view of rumors. And then the next day I was getting all types of information (laughs) getting it from a movie quote and then also getting it from the career side uh, or the beginning of my career, if you will. It was a very, very interesting time. It's just always been so intriguing to me about just this arena of rumors and the science of rumors. And and I think that all of this kind of peaked for me in 2017 It's about a year after I was laid off from my job in, in indianapolis when i you know went out for lunch with one of my uh, former superiors i won't go as far to say they were a mentor but definitely uh, someone that i reported to and in for a couple of years during my um, broadcasting career and you know we were just catching up talking about um, obviously talking about being let go and you know talking about setting up things for the next level of my career and just you know how people get well maybe you don't hopefully hopefully you don't but sometimes when you lose your job people can be overly sympathetic and like you know what what are we gonna do next it was just it was kind of that whole thing but the most interesting part of that conversation was the feeling that I felt when I discovered or when I was told that I was at the center of this arena of rumors if you will this web of rumors this person was just spitting out all of these different rumors that had been shared about me in the industry I mean it was everything from completely erroneous things like just you know I, I, I don't want to get all the way into it that's just that's not that's neither here or there the point is hearing about all of these rumors it kind of was comical honestly like I, I felt it was it was just a little chuckle like down by my belt like I was just like it was just a little chuckle it wasn't that crazy but and the reason that I chuckled if you will is because rumors no matter if they are true or not they're often revealing. Fast forward some time, and I'm sitting with another one of my mentors, and they're talking about how many people in the industry were just dying to just Know me, just like like I was a little bit of an anomaly, a little bit of a a, a mystery to a lot of people. And you know, the more I start to open up and and show different sides of myself, now that I'm learning how to really do that safely, it's kind of like debunking a lot of those rumors, if you will. But it just brought me back to that to 2017 because the rumors that were being thrown around about me were the results of (laughs) just people trying to figure me out, if you will. You know, and in some cases, those rumors were designed to maybe you know maybe tear me down i didn't know where they came from i I had no clue of the origin i can maybe throw some names out there some people that may have wanted to change the narrative about what happened in indie or about how i approached the industry or whatever I, i probably could go into that but it's not worth it it's more valuable to dive into the science of it to really understand how the peanut gallery is formed, if you will, and then to make sure that, like, we never file for any membership at that country club. Let's also take a look and see how we're being manipulated by a lot of rumors, whether you talk about the media, where you talk about politics, sports, you know, just, it's rumors everywhere. Rumors everywhere. And like many powerful things that we see today, it didn't just start yesterday. In fact, the history of rumors dates all the way back to the ancient romans and when i started researching this oh man things really started to make sense That's my favorite part. And today's research is coming from the National Institute of Geophysics and Volcanology. From three researchers, Tiziana Lanza, Frederica LaLanga, and Massimo Crescentbeam. And the title of the article is The Science of Rumors. I'll be happy to link it. And one of the first things that got my attention is how the ancient Romans had a, a god that was literally the god of rumors. I had no clue about that. And what was really interesting about it is this God's name. I'm sorry, the goddess. Her name was Fame. Quote, this goddess was represented as a woman, always in motion, constantly shouting and spreading good and bad news. Young and impetuous, she was often pictured with wings, covered with eyes, mouths, and tongues in the act of playing the trumpet or two, one for truth and the other for lies. This winged monster allegorically represented rumors that arise, spread, gain credibility, do not distinguish between truth and falsity, and amplify and distort the facts at will. What really interests me is how the god's name is fame and how big fame is to us nowadays especially with the advent of social media everything taps into a whole nother realm of fame no matter what you do no matter what you represent you can build computers for a living or you can make tires for a living if you put it on social you can be famous you know but another solid part of people's fame from the pr standpoint which I wish I had my books and research from, you know, from grad school. But from the PR standpoint, just being honest with you, a secret that I don't even know if I'm supposed to share, a lot of things are brought to light because of rumors. In other words, if we use this ancient goddess's name, a lot of things are made famous because of rumors. There's a saying that bad press is still press. That's very true. Very true. Lies and rumors still have a subject that they're pointing you to, no matter, no matter if it's true or false. It's, it's still talking about something. It's still drawing your attention to something. And depending on how big and how uh, widespread the rumors are, and it's in most cases, depending on how shocking they are, it'll leave a lasting impression on you. Now I, I didn't do it yet, but I would love to dive into the connection between this ancient goddess of fame and or her name is fame but ancient goddess of rumors fame and our interpretation of the word fame as well cuz I don't know it's just you know something seems a little weird you know (laughs) and the older you get the more you realize how uh, how little coincidences really occur but another thing that I pointed to and I learned from this introduction of their research is that it seemed like the goddess didn't play sides in terms of distinguishing or in terms of uh, disseminating news whether it was good or bad true or false she blew the trumpets there was one for truth and the other for lies and it kind of pointed to me you know that rumors literally have that mystique about them that okay well is it true is it false is it right is it wrong is it good or bad that mystique is part of the connection between the rumor itself and the person that's digesting it. That's just science. Things that are mystical usually garner our attention because we just want to know more, you know? When we can't know more, we throw out what we think. And guess what that is? That's a rumor. Of course, the researchers went into detail about the impact of Orson Welles's. The War of the Worlds that radio broadcast that I played earlier, and just how much it revealed about how powerful rumors can be and how quickly they can spread. Then the researchers went into details about all these prophecies that that were were we were holding on to. I, I remember there was like a Nostradamus prophecy when I was younger that scared the crap out of me because I thought that you know I thought that was really going to happen. I thought the I thought the world was about to end, and it was on the on the cover of all of those magazines in the um you know the magazines that be in the line at the grocery store so i would just see it i'm asking my mom what it is and she's trying to like act like it's nothing but you know i would never forget those things you know but those rumors man like they sold those magazines i bet you they did they sold those magazines and they also struck fear in me as a child i wouldn't be surprised if they struck fear in some adults as well which has its financial implications and business implications but we'll get to that later Some people think that we didn't go to the moon. That's a rumor, like a a literal, like powerful rumor within society. Some people think Americans never went to the moon. All types of prophecies of earthquakes and tsunamis and things that most of them didn't come to fruition. Now the researchers posed a question that of course they would because they come from the science community, but it's something that I do actually buy into. Is there something that science should do to kind of combat rumors now that the research has been tapped into to really get to the bottom of where all of this stuff has come from should science be the one to answer the question if you will they asked the question quote while rumors express common opinion what should science do to combat against rumors i think on a on a community level there's absolutely nothing you can do because honestly sitting at a bar on friday night sharing rumors with other people it's part of culture for the most part. You know, I try to stay away from it, you know, or or I'm trying to practice uh, the, I- the idea of sharing information that I know for sure. You know, even when I'm at the bar, like, uh, you know, I used to love to be like, yo, especially sports, like, yo, I heard this such and such is going and such and such, or that this might happen or that, that might happen. Woo, woo, woo. I'm trying to get out of that. Like, and, and in order to get out of that, the best way for us, if you want to stop practicing the participation in rumors like that at least on the sports and lifestyle level is to know more you know so I spend more time actually educating myself on the teams that I'm a fan of I spend more time educating myself on the players and on the league and itself just you know sticking to sports um, and even with like music and stuff people ask me a lot of questions about the industry and things like that and there was a point where I would try to fill in a gap with what I thought would be a good idea or what I thought would happen and now, you know, I'll simply say I don't know Just because I don't want to, you know, personally I just don't want to be a part of that <laughs> But what these researchers pose is a more significant issue, I believe Personally, I don't think that these societal rumors Or the or the community cultural rumors and all of that Are that big a deal Like you going to the bar, sharing rumors at, on Friday night No, I'm talking about the rumors that cause mass hysteria, chaos, panic amongst the society. Those rumors are dangerous and deadly and very profitable for the person that's spitting them out or the person that's making it happen. And to me, it's an abuse of psychology, of human psychology, an abuse of it and understanding that we react to fear almost subconsciously and then using that to manipulate the decisions that we make, which a lot of times are transactional. Now, I think when it comes to that, that's where science steps in. And science can work hand in hand with certain legalities to kind of set up parameters that punish people for trying to take advantage of society by spewing out those rumors to try to cause a mass hysteria. Or even if it's not causing a mass hysteria, but you did, (laughs) that could be punitive on the basis of science. Take a look at what they do in Italy. Article 21 of their constitution protects the freedom of the press and free expression of thought through any medium of communication. Quote, as a European Union member state, Italy is obliged to respect the freedom of the press as enshrined in the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union. Now, they have a specific intervention within that clause that's called the chilling effect. And it basically says, quote, some rules that make it possible to freeze or delete a range of information that is deemed to be incorrect or inaccurate. The communications authority has a resolution, uh, resolution number 668-2010, which creates that erase system for websites suspected of violating those rules. And it also tackles what they call false alarms, which is, you know, just disseminating that incorrect information or disseminating those rumors. And in Italy, as in many other countries, that's a punishable fine. Look at what's happening with Alex Jones. He's going to be coming out of pocket for those stupid things he was saying about Sandy Hook, which, well, I ain't going to get into that because it's kind of... Somehow that's become political. We have we an have a art, a, a, a terrible art of making everything political, but Alex Jones is going to have to come out of pocket for the damages he's caused because of his rumors that he was spewing and selling. It, like it, That was his selling point for a while. That's how I know Alex Jones, honestly. That's how I knew InfoWars, because of that stupidity of Sandy Hook, you know, and, and them thinking that it wasn't real and spreading the rumor that it wasn't real. I have friends that believe that because of that. But I, I personally, I, I think that the financial ramifications of that or the, or the financial punishment is not enough. I don't know if there is a law for it. I feel like I probably should have Googled it before I cut the mic on, but he should be punished for what he did. And so should everybody else who takes advantage of that. That's the abuse of human psychology. That's taking a rumor and using it to knowingly create fame around yourself, to knowingly garner attention for yourself. The only issue that makes it murky in court, and I wasn't there, obviously, but the only issue that makes it murky is that whether or not he actually believed that. And it's just hard to to figure that out, especially in today's society in America, capitalist society, where There are a lot of truths that people hide to make some money, whether it's Alex Jones or or other people, they may actually know what they're doing (laughs) because they know the science behind it. They know how easily manipulated we can be if we use, if, if fear is induced, you know, or if some sort of mistrust against the system is induced. And the domino effect of that is really detrimental our society because the domino effect of that is okay i can do it too there are all sorts of public relations like like moments in grad school where i would look at the books that we were reading and i'm like bro this is not good this is not good because a lot of companies do that essentially i was just watching the history channel the other day talking about how you know um making liquor in the early 1900s was an extreme sport. Extremely illegal, honestly. Like, it was it was very tough, you know? But there were so many groups that were trying to uh, villainize liquor and all of that and liquor companies and people that uh, managed these liquor companies. There were so many people that were trying to villainize the industry that Adolphus Busch, the founder of Anheuser-Busch, came up with the idea to separate himself from the liquor industry. He was going to basically say that beer is... Healthy, per se, or I'll say healthier, but the ER part is, like, not even lowercase. It's, like, super small font. <laughs> the The public relations model is basically to, or was basically to separate itself from the liquor industry. Mobs of people were coming after, like, Jack Daniels and stuff like that. Basically, like, you know, this is evil, this is bad for us. And they had thrown Anheuser-Busch in there as well until... Adolphus Bush separated himself By creating this campaign That not just added to the villainization Of the actual liquor Hard liquor industry But it also made everybody believe that beer Is healthy and even to this day I mean there's a lot of people that do feel like that You know but and granted that's like Not even like a detrimental crazy Rumor like but it shows the power Of public relations and the connection Between public relations and rumors You know and how easy it is to get People to move Based on a good public relations approach, or how about the torches of freedom campaign? Have you heard? Have you heard about that? In 1929, that made basically that made women believe that smoking was cool, beyond cool. Let's take the word "cool" out. If I could back up, I would. Well, I can back up. I'm not gonna do that. It made women believe that smoking was synonymous with emancipation and equality with men. And there was this boom of women who were smoking. And all of the advertisements had women smoking, you know, and completely eradicated the health fears that were around smoking and made it cool. I'm bringing that word back. <laughs> and made it cool. And that was the brainchild of someone who, yeah, we, you know, we, will, we look to as a legend in public relations edward l bernays and he did it on the front page of the new york times april 1st of 1929 a quote from history today it says group of girls puff at cigarettes as a gesture of freedom read the front page it was no april fool's joke rather this spectacle of liberated smoking women was one of bernays's most celebrated publicity stunts continued bernays's client george w hill president of the american tobacco company had asked him how can we get women to smoke on the street? They're smoking indoors, but, damn it, if they spend half the time outdoors, and we can get them to smoke outdoors, we're damn near double our female market. Do something. Act. You see? That, that sounds a little nefarious, doesn't it? That, that sounds like the exploitation of human psychology. Because, at, I mean, at the base of it, honestly, we're a lot weaker than we think we are. Or a lot weaker than we know we are. But there are some people that know that and that seek to exploit that. And a lot of them are capitalists. A lot of them are people that are trying to well, I hate to use the word game, but trying to capitalize off of that. It was genius by Bernays. Evil a little bit. I won't say let me not say evil. That's 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 not fair. It was it was it was genius by Bernays, Nefarious by George W. Hill, and Bernays changed the entire public relations arena with that Torches of Freedom campaign. You should look it up. As a matter of fact, don't worry about looking it up. Just scroll down and click it. It's definitely going to be in the description. But that's why I love to see Italy and, the, you know, what they have in their constitution that kind of punishes these people, you know, or, or punishes people that knowingly take advantage of human psychology because it's not fair and it also is... A great power, a very great power that in the wrong hands could, you know, have a bunch of people smoking. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you know what I'm trying to say. So this law affected uh, Giuseppe Zambelletti in 1985. He was the head of the Italian Civil Protection who evacuated about 100,000 residents in an area where an earthquake was said to be possible. The earthquake didn't happen. So he was kind of held liable against that law. But then on the other side of that, there was an earthquake that was predicted to happen on March 29th, 2009 in Somona by G.M. Paolo Giuliani. That didn't happen. And the Italian government wanted to give him what they call an exemplary punishment. And then a few days later, the earthquake hit. And so you ask yourself, well, what's in the gap of that? What can really figure that out? And that that is I do agree with these researchers. That is a call and respect to science to act, you know, to, to fool full scientific teams, like a um, scientific review of different rumors, if you will, different uh, rumors that cause mass hysteria. And then from there, see how these governments should address it. Now, the problem in America is that, you know, we're so free, quote unquote, everybody has rights. You know, I'm sure somebody's going to feel like their rights are infringed upon with that but that mass hysteria is dangerous man it's very dangerous and i do believe that it should be regulated on some regard now the studies of rumors began in 1940 well studies of rumors in america began in 1940 where basically america was worried about the rumors of world war ii that were spreading basically the rumors of the war were tearing apart the american society and in order to fight it back and in order to fight against those rumors they decided to set up a quote institutional committee. Or quote institutional committees, while scientists were beginning to study the phenomenon of rumors. That's where they created rumor clinics. It started in Chicago in 1942 as part of a project called the Rumor Project, which collected data from several government agencies and American universities. During this time, the Boston clinics would post a uh, a, a piece in the Boston Herald every Sunday, where they posted the most famous rumors of the week, and they basically debunked it. And then in 1947. Alport and Postman published the psychology of rumors or psychology of rumor, I'm sorry, which basically combined um, all the knowledge and studies that they had done during the Second World War and the rumors that were spreading about it, in which they defined rumors, quote, as propositions of faith on specific or current topics that pass from person to person, usually by word of mouth, without any evidence of their truth. Although rumors are usually communicated from person to person by word of mouth, the media has a key role in their spread. Now we know that even to this day because the biggest media right now is social media. I would argue that's bigger than news media, entertainment media, all of that. Social media is the medium which spreads a lot of these rumors. Now Alport and Postman also found that the basic characteristics of rumor are these. They are transmitted by word of mouth. They provide information about people, events, and conditions. They express and meet the emotional needs of the community. And they base it upon these characteristics. They say disclosure, uh, word of mouth, which is amplified by news media. Content, which they say is news that is in the public domain to be distinguished from private and trivial matters. And listening, rumors spread to the community because it responds to the emotional needs. Now, Alport had a student named Robert Knapp, who also collected different rumors and put them into different categories just to add his knowledge as well and here's what he found rumors of impossible dreams which he called pipe dream rumors ghost rumors and rumors based on fear which he called boogeyman rumors or fear rumors and they reflected popular fears and anxieties and rumors that led to disagreement wedge driving rumors is what he called it which are intended to undermine alliances and relationships which i would argue that's the main that's social media right now and we've been on social media so long that that's conversation now but like it's everything is just tense everything is a disagreement you know he also found that negative rumors expanded easier than the positive ones which obviously and In 1959, another, another researcher named Jung, he distinguished the rumors between ordinary and visionary. And he said that visionary rumors have a universal symbolic value and they live a long time. He says this kind of rumor, quote, expresses chronic anxiety and is detectable in the in archetypal images and the collective fears about the situation of the world, or in the universe desire for a supernatural power to redeem. Now let's jump to 2004. Prashant Bordia and Nicholas DeFonzo published an article called Problem-Solving and in Social Interactions on the Internet, Rumor as Social Cognition. They found that every rumor followed four stages of development, introduction of the rumor, spontaneous generation of opinions from where rumors are created, resolution of the problem, and loss of interest. And then finally, quote, according to recent studies, rumor strength is now considered a complex function of anxiety and uncertainty that can occur from internal states of individuals trait anxiety or from the outside as state anxiety or from their interactions. So in other words, these rumors cause panic. It causes some, some sort of anxiety. Maybe panic isn't the word, but there's some sort of alertness something and a lot of times these capitalists will capitalize on that and in other times you know it could be just regular people trying to change the narrative about something you know throw a rumor out there it could be a superstar in in the nba or the nfl or whatever sport you like to watch trying to gauge himself or herself for a new contract so throw a rumor out there you know or team trying to change the narrative about one of their players so they throw, throw some rumors out there And just watch them grow And just see if, you know Maybe they're trying to tear down one of their players Maybe maybe contract negotiations failed Or maybe they asked for a trade And in order to combat that news They throw a rumor out there They have somebody to throw a rumor out there And just watch it tear the person down You know, watch the value come down There are so many ways That we are manipulated by these rumors, man So many ways And the science shows that The science proves that, you know The science goes back to Hans Landa, and in inglorious bastards. Even if it's not true, it's revealing. A rumor is revealing. It always points to something, and it's always a bridge. It's always a bridge to something else. And a lot of times, especially in America, it's a bridge to more money. Not for you, for the for, for the powers that be. Come on. Let's do this. Let's explore the basic law of rumor. As scientists and researchers were trying to explore the strength of rumors. And then there's a 1976 connection between rumors and the word meme. Yes, that meme. I think this will help us deal with it a little bit better. You and I have history, or don't you remember? She ain't got your love anymore. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snip out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Live in a beautiful state. So, the basic law of rumor is another product of outport and Post. And what they did is they used a formula to try to distinguish the strength of a rumor. Sounds very complicated for almost no reason. But when you think about how detrimental rumors can be, and we talked about how much panic and chaos it can cause amongst the public and even on a personal level, which is always hard to manage. But even on an interpersonal level between friends and circles and stuff like that, you know how detrimental rumors can be. Some parents died without never talking to their kids again for 20 and 30 years because of a rumor. Some friends fell out because of a rumor. Some wars have started because of rumors. So as dramatic as rumor research may seem or unnecessary as rumor research may seem, stop and really think about how detrimental rumors can be and I guarantee you'll understand why some researchers like Alport and Postman, McGregor and Rossnow. You'll understand why they actually took the time to dive into rumors and why A&P came up with this particular formula, which basically is rumor equals I times A, I being the individual concerned with the rumors and A being the ambiguity of the evidence pertaining to the topic at hand. That's a direct quote from the Psychological Science Agenda, April 2005 edition from Ralph Rossnow and Eric Foster. <laughs> Now, the issue that researchers ran into down the road was that the basic law of rumors factor of importance, it wasn't easy for researchers to, I guess, distinguish that, which makes sense, right? Because what may be important to me may not be important to you and vice versa. So a rumor about a new feature in Madden 23, you may not even care enough about that game or gaming in general to feel that it's quote unquote important to you. So the I in the Basic Law of Rumor has a formula in and of itself. They also said that the Basic Law of Rumor quote ignored the emotional context of rumor and Ross now changed the theory and began to look at the spreading of rumors as quote an attempt to deal with anxieties and uncertainties by generating and passing stories and suppositions that can explain things address anxieties and provide a rationale for behavior it's almost as if these rumors are the result of people trying to deal with some sort of insecurities in some situations And it's not to victimize the people that are spreading these rumors, but the truth is just a more firm and more confident ground to stand on. And it sounds like the research backs that up so much so that the rumors are the exact opposite ground to stand on. In fact, Chip Heath, Chris Bell and Emily Sternberg explored how rumors and urban legends, quote, thrive similarly on information and emotion selection back in 2001 and that's when they created this idea that quote rumors and urban legends are subsets of what biologist Richard Dawkins called memes, M-E-M-E-S which Dawkins describes as another quote reasoning that there is a cultural analogy between ideas that compete for survival and biological genes so yeah rumors sometimes do reveal some sort of weakness or insecurity a weakness and insecurity that we all feel as humans for the most part that desire to survive it could almost now this this isn't research based and this is just me talking but it could almost be as if like the spreading of rumors is literally just people kicking into their survival mechanisms or out of some sort of fear of something that is threatening our survival. I'll give you one more example, because this one will paint the picture really well. In 2004, Air Force Captain Stephanie Kelly curated her master's thesis at Navy Postgrad, and she collected 966 rumors in iraq from something called the baghdad mosquito quote proceeding from the idea that rumors serve as a window into people's uncertainties and anxieties she identified fears inhibiting cooperation with u.s counterinsurgency efforts and formulated ideas for improving coalition information campaigns. In other words, she used those rumors to kind of help the U.S. siphon through them, if you will, to figure out a better way to handle the counterinsurgency efforts in Iraq. And I'm sure it helped. Well, obviously, it's in the research, but I'm sure it helped because they probably looked at some of those rumors as questions as well that people were searching for answers to that they weren't getting. So because they weren't getting the answers, they answered them themselves. You got it. There you go. collection of researchers also points at the quote-unquote social media gatekeepers as a beginning place for a lot of these rumors. Foster and now actually dove into this or delved into this or whatever you know i'm trying to say into this (laughs) as part of their research as well they called it the social network analysis or sna and they used it to quote explore how the structure of how the network links among members can affect the potency of gossiping behavior and they found that denser networks are are not as vulnerable to gossip if that makes sense but that really the influencers or the gatekeepers really have a lot of power in this entire rumor sphere, if you will, or rumor space, if you will. They also say, increasing the density of social connections around gatekeepers is expected to decrease negative effects of gossiping and to assist in improving norm coherence, end quote. So we have a lot to unpack today. Well, we already unpacked, we have a lot to Mm, i guess hang up and put in the drawer and just kind of get our rooms situated in our lives to figure out how we can really handle this whole rumor situation because as we've heard today it can be rumors can be very detrimental to society they've caused wars they've instigated uh well it's the same thing as causing a war but put it like this it heightened the the intensity Of wars and global disputes, if you will There we go, that's a better way to put it And in in that same breath, you see what happened in Italy When, you know, someone actually did sound the alarm about something And it came off as a rumor And then they punished him for it Because they wanted to try to show how bad it was to spread rumors And then his prediction came true And people got hurt It's many different stages to this whole Digestion of rumors conversation But for the simple fact that we show up to the table to have that conversation, that's more than one step in the right direction. I think, honestly, that's like 80 percent of the journey in its entirety. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the best way that we can combat this is to just commit ourselves to always chasing knowledge, chasing truth and understanding how important the truth is and just Having that as your North Star to me, or as our North Star, I should say, that'll lead us to ask certain questions while having certain conversations to really get to the bottom of it, to see what's true and what's real. Now, another way that I think we should combat it, honestly, is just by... Like, the little red rumors, the ones that you share at the bar on a Friday night about your favorite quarterback possibly going to the rival team, those, those don't matter to me. Or personally, it don't matter to me. Maybe they matter to you. But it's not, like, it's not as big a deal as possibly starting World War III based on the rumor. Like, rumors about COVID-19. Think about how detrimental that has been and how many people are in the grave right now because they lived their life based off of the spreading of a rumor of COVID or about there's so many COVID came from 5G COVID is man-made by you know blah 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 COVID is this COVID is that da, 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 and you know we don't need this we don't need that and no vaccine no blah I don't you know we don't have to get all the way into that but a lot of those people on their deathbeds unfortunately were very very upset at the fact that they allowed themselves to fall victim to not just COVID, but to the rumors about COVID, you know? Those are the rumors that I feel as though we should focus on completely nullifying and and, and focus on fighting against those. Because those are the ones that, if it's big enough, can really rip us all apart, honestly. And I do agree with a lot of these researchers that we um, learned from today that science can step in the gap and science has been trying to step into the gap. But unfortunately, we're in a place right now as a, in as a society where people are becoming numb to science because of the dollar, unfortunately, because of politics, unfortunately, where we have the data with a lot of issues that arise. And even going back to COVID, the data was right there, was right there but we chose not to listen to our science experts. So we chose to throw out our own rumors, right? About what we think is going on. Not understanding that as we were spreading rumors or this misinformation, it was going to be costly to someone down the line. It's a game of telephone where, you know, unfortunately you you don't get to sit around and see where your message ends up and how it sounds. You may you, you may have seen that on CNN or Fox News when they reported how many people have passed away from COVID. That that may be the other end of the telephone game, unfortunately. And it's sad. It's very sad because misinformation is miseducation as well. But we do have our science leaders that are prepared to answer the questions, are prepared to ask the questions, first of all, and answer the questions that help us live better lives. And I support science all the way. And I hope that you can, too. Maybe that's what we were supposed to get out of this. But also, I hope this is a call to our leaders and influencers in the social media space to really take the extra steps and extra precautions towards the information in the media that you share understanding that something that you say if you have that influence a rumor that you share from where you sit in our society that rumor could be very detrimental especially on social media whereas i would say it's 10 times easier to spread a rumor because a lot of times all you gotta do is just hit two buttons if you on twitter and then on instagram all you gotta do is kind of see it and then you may take that information elsewhere you know but our influencers our leaders, our politicians. um, I hope this serves as a call to you to recommit yourself to the truth and to recommit yourself to the people and understanding that the best way to commit yourself to the people that you serve is to be authentic, honest, and informed.